Welcome to the 10 and 2 podcast. I'm Kat. Hey, I'm Catlin. And we're here every week talking watches and photography and adventure. Soon to be adventure. (laughs) I know. You get to go on an adventure soon. And I, like, the FOMO is starting to get real. Uh, I'm really excited. I bet. I'm really, really, really excited. Aww. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we're selling our Jeep. And I've kind of talked a little bit about this on the show and we decided on a Subaru for me because I'm selling my Jeep. So I get to get the new car (laughs) and uh, (laughs) it's uh, Subarus are just not popular in Nashville. So to find a good used one is just near impossible. We found one and guess what? We went Friday. They had just sold it. I was like, dang, oh no, dang it. We just missed out. So um, our options are really, really limited. There's a couple more, but the color choices is not, they're not my fave. And now we're just kind of considering buying a new car, which we both said we would never, ever do just because of the value. But I mean, Subarus do tend to hold their value just a little bit more, kind of like Jeeps do. So right. if it's a car that we, we have for 10, 15 years, then it, it's fine. But I don't know. We'll just see. It's, I hate buying a new car. I hate the stress. I hate freaking dealerships. Ooh, they just get on my dealerships nerves. Dealerships are the worst. Jeez. Oh, they're the absolute worst. Yeah. You they're worse than their... any like AD ever. <laughs> they are. They're like vultures. No pull in, they any, attack you. Any used car salesman who listens to this podcast, but man. No, I mean, the used car salesmen are usually not, not too bad. It's it's the when you go to the brand new lot, you know, and there are macho dudes that come out and yeah, try to act <laughs> like they know everything and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, oh, I just want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> just leave me alone, sir. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I have well, a question, I'll luckily, let you know. luckily the the guy that we talked to at the Subaru dealership wasn't too bad. So um, he was young, though. He hasn't learned. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't learned the ways. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's okay. But it's just the stress of a vehicle, um, which I know you you went through last year, right? When you got your new car. Yeah, it was not a fun experience. I mean, yeah. it wasn't a fun experience because I wasn't planning on buying a new car anyways, <laughs> but that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. It, it's very frustrating. And, you know, for me, like I, ha- I had a time crunch to to buy my car because um, my car had been totaled. You know, I only my insurance company was only going to cover so long in a rental, you know, and I living outside of the city we don't have public transportation or anything so like Mm-mm. a car is a is a necessity um but yeah i mean i just went to i buy all of my cars i've bought all my cars from the same car dealership so i just went back there and um i mean i i'm pretty good like i know what i want i don't need to be like sold on a car like mm-hmm. just literally just like let me test drive the car let me do my thing let me you know and I'm 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 in sales for a living so like I don't need to be sold stuff like I get it I know I know (laughs) the game it's fine um literally just sit there it'll be the easiest commission ever just let me do my thing let me process it my way um and I'll come get you when I need to sign paperwork basically is how like I operate yeah yeah how about uh so aside from cars (laughs) so you're doing (laughs) you're doing overlanding have you guys started looking into your the tents because are you you're going to do one of the pop-up tents for the roof of the outback yeah we are okay and, um, have y'all started looking into that 
No, I haven't officially ordered one yet. Uh, that's kind of on my okay. to-do list this week, which we're getting down to like three weeks away from the trip. Um, but we've right. just had so much going on that I haven't ordered one yet. And I looked yesterday just really quickly, and there's like three or four new ones that weren't there when I looked several months back. So um, <laughs> I kind of have to reevaluate my options, um, of course. Well, probably it's it's that kind of time of year. Yeah. So I'm sure like you, you have so many more options this time of year. Places are much more in stock, mm-hmm. um, I would think anyways. But yeah, we'll see. I'm so. excited about it. Um, <laughs> It'll be cat. Cat and her husband in a sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on top of a car in the middle of nowhere. Um, It'll be good. It'll yeah. be. I really mostly. I'm excited for the the photography that you come back <laughs> with. Honestly, yeah, I am too. I'm excited to just get to see some of the places that I've I've always wanted to go for a really long time. And you know, I, I don't know how we're gonna do. Like we're, we are, we're not like super like roughing it type campers but this is not like super roughing it either like you're we've buying a really nice rooftop tent and like we're even going to have like this fridge and freezer in in the back of the truck and and uh yeah we're like we're getting by just fine um my only thing is like the cold like sleeping when it's really cold we'll Mm see um ma'am yeah being real bundled up (laughs) can we get a heater a space heater you Please. can, but you got to be really careful with those and like the gases. Well, they yeah, the and, whole fire thing. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 but yeah. also, I need heat. So, yeah. <laughs> um, is, we, we thought about like a, a heated blanket, go. you know, that we could just oh, plug yeah. in. Yeah, because we're gonna yeah. have a big like portable charge charging unit. So, if we need it, it's there. It'll keep us warm enough for the night. But it's honestly, I think we're only looking at like the lowest might be in the 30s at night. So. Which for us in Nashville Ma'am, is really cold. Cold. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank oh. you. It's like sixty degrees today, and I'm still wearing a hoodie. So. Yeah, I got a long sleeve on too. It's chilly for me. <laughs> yeah, like no, that's still cold. Well, what are you wearing on the wrist today? I am wearing the Fierce Continental. So, um, for those of you who may not know, we celebrated the one year anniversary of the podcast by getting Fierce watches. Um, and this was what I'm wearing. And I have it on um, one of the Bark and Jack NATO straps. Um, yeah. So, just easy. I like this watch because it is, even though it's a little, you know, traditionally dressier, throwing it on a NATO strap makes it super casual. And it's so light. It's almost like you're not wearing a watch, honestly, because of how thin and lightweight it is. Um, yeah, so something comfortable, easy to sit around the house with. What about you? I am wearing my Submariner. <laughs> like okay. I, I, Big I'm, shock. Y'all, I'm going to be so... Stop the press, y'all. <laughs> I'm going to be so boring for the next few weeks. I know it's just... Okay, so for the Rolex haters out there, like I get the hate, right? They're boring. There's nothing special about them. But for me, it, it's not the watch that I have that I look, I want to look down on my wrist all the time at, right? It's not the watch that just grabs me like, like I used to have with the Grand Seiko where I just could not stop staring at it because it was so beautiful. This isn't that watch. This is the watch you put on and it just, it feels so good on your wrist and it feels like Mm -hmm. it's home. I know that sounds cheesy as all get out, but (laughs) it's the watch that I just want to wear doing anything, you know, whether I'm, I'm, outside, whether I'm giving the dogs a bath, whether I'm working, doesn't matter. I just want to have it on the wrist because it just feels good. It feels right. 
I just, I love it so much. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just, it's perfect. <laughs> it's, it does what it's supposed to do really, really well. You know, a watch is supposed to tell time. Right. That's the only ability this watch has. There's a diving bezel on it, uh, which I do use, but that's it. It just tells the time and it does it exceptionally. And uh, yeah, I hope that it's something I can, I can wear for a very, very long time. I hope it's something I can pass down to someone in my family or a child or whoever, you know, down the road. And it's special to them too. And that's, that's kind of the thing with Rolex, right? Is like, you just, you keep passing it down. And I know that that can happen with other watch brands as well. I'm not saying it can't, but you know, Rolex has, has been known for that for a really long time. And, and just, it's, it's built like such a tank that in, in 20 years, things are going to look good and there's no doubt about it. And it's going right. to look equally in style in 20 years as it does right now. And that's, that's something I really like. So yeah. Yeah, I actually, uh, I, I did wear the Manta SkyQuest a lot this week because I was <laughs> with Watches and Wonders. I was trying to keep up with those Swiss times. So I was, I had the GMT on, um, but then I ended up just going back to this because it's just like, why not? <laughs> Sorry, what were no, you going to say? No, 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 no. So I, I agree with this idea that, um, you know, it's a watch that in 10, 20 years is still going to look just as classic as what it does now. Um, and speaking about watches and wonders, we know that like everybody knows, you know, what's gone on the last week in watches. Uh, if you don't, Lord knows you can go on every major watch website and find out. Um, but, and this was one of the topics that I wanted to bring up in talking about, you know, Rolex and watches and wonders and why not? Let's just go ahead and, and get into it. Um, so the idea that your Submariner is going to be iconic, I think it's one of the things that makes the Submariner what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can think of iconic watches from every watch brand. Okay, so you have the Rolex Submariner, you have the Omega Speedmaster, you have the Cartier Tank. Um, these are watches that if you look at an example of this watch from 20, 30 years ago and look at it now, okay, maybe small changes have been made, but overall I can look at both these watches and know exactly what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I feel like that's what makes these watches what they are. The Submariner wouldn't mean shit, you know, if if it changed every five years, if it looks like something completely different. Yeah, there might be a new color. Yeah, there might be a new case design. Yeah, there might be new text on the dial, um, something like that. But overall, it's going to look consistently the same. And that's why you love it. So... Getting into getting into what Rolex released, this is the 50th anniversary of the Explorer 2. Um, and so, you know, there was so much speculation on what Rolex was going to do, right? Yeah. Every, and then I, I kind of love this time of year because I love all the speculating. Like, I love seeing people act like FBI agents, right? Like, all, every on everyone's Instagram stories was these blown up images from that, like, Rolex teaser video. People are changing <laughs> the colors to try and find out what the bezel looks like. All this stuff. I think it's hilarious. It's, you know, I, I feel like it really kind of enhances the passion that we all feel behind what we're, you know, behind watches, what we're collecting and what we're talking about. Um, but the, the rumor was, you know, and the thought process was it was going to be a ceramic bezel explorer, too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if if you think about iconic watches, how different would that watch look if it had had a, a ceramic bezel? And you may disagree. So we've actually not talked about watches and wonders and like our specific thoughts about it. No. Um, so I don't know how you 
you feel about it. But, um, you know, a lot of people, when they saw the release and they saw that, okay, you know, basically the Watch Got a Movement update and that was it. There was a lot of disappointment and a lot of, you know, quote unquote, like, for lack of a better word, bitching online Mm -hmm. about it. You know, people were calling Rolex lazy. And given I've been bad, I think last year I called brands lazy for this. But like, I'm really starting to get to this point where I get it. Like, Mm -hmm. I... I understand why you don't change it. You clearly have made this great fake. Why would you want to change it? Why Mm -hmm. wouldn't you want it to be an icon for, you know, another 50 years down the road? If they had changed it, then you lose the value at what you've built, in my opinion. Um, And I think that Rolex is smart enough to know that. They're smart enough to know that that they're the number one watch brand for a reason. Because people can look across, you know, a room at somebody's wrist and know exactly what watch that is that they're wearing and that what Rolex model that is. And, you know, I... It's smart. It might be lazy, but it's smart as hell. Um, keep your watches iconic. Don't change them that much. But they change what mattered. You know, mm-hmm. having the movement update, if you have a better movement, yes, update the watches with this better movement. Um, if you have a better bracelet design, you know, a better clasp, things like that. I fully support things like that. Um, but, I mean, also, I understand. Like, I, I'm getting to this point. I've had this epiphany. I don't know. That, like, <laughs> I understand it now. Like, I get it. Why, why fix what isn't broken? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that I I honestly was not that upset about the release. And I thought good for Rolex because they know it just kind of solidifies the fact that they know how good their watch is. And yeah. they're not going to just change it for the sake of changing it. And I think a lot of people get in their heads, especially with these watch shows, that everyone expects to be wowed every single time. And especially with brands like Rolex, that's just not going to happen necessarily. I think, you know, look at September when they did the OPs that, that brought on hate and love for the brand because people were like, Oh wow. Like Rolex is, is going out there with these bright color ass dials and doing something different. And they did. And that's not something that they usually do. And I think with as much, uh, releases that they had in September, I, I just wasn't expecting a whole lot right now. And I think what they did was kind of in line with the brand. And I think the updates to the Explorer 2 are great. You know, the case is a little bit more refined, mm-hmm. which always is going to look good on your wrist. It's got the great new movement in it. I think if you were already an Explorer 2 owner, yeah, there was no reason to upgrade. But if you were looking at one, now you get a better one. Like, like if you're on the right. list for one, now you get the better version of it. So it's not really that bad. And, uh, you know, I, I was a little tiny, tiny bit disappointed that they didn't do anything for the 50th anniversary of the watch. I would have liked to have seen, I don't know, a green GMT hand or just something something a little different about it. I wasn't going to be a huge fan of the ceramic bezel, so I'm glad they didn't do that. <laughs> it would have just lost the the feel of the Explore 2. Right. And, um, you know, they have plenty of other watches with ceramic bezels on them. But yeah, I think it, it's fine. It's not like... I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't really know what people expect from Rolex. It's like, look at the last 50 years and look look at what they've done. Do you really think they're going to do something crazy? And I don't know. I think people just get their they get their hopes up and um Yeah. I don't know. I don't really blame the brand at all. And I think we saw a lot of watches this year from brands that they already had in their collection. They just made them better. They fine-tuned them and they and they re-released them. And, and that's not a bad thing. You don't always have to put out a brand new watch or you don't have to do a complete redesign. If something's good, keep it good. 
Would I have liked to seen the Explorer 2 brought down to like a 39, back to the 39 millimeter? Sure, would have loved that. Probably would have put my name down for one, but uh, they didn't, so it's fine because I, I got more money now. <laughs> <laughs> money that I don't have to spend in time that I don't have to wait, so... Yeah, and I guess we'll, we'll kind of just kind of get into the Rolex Tudor talk since we're already on it. Yeah. We might as well. We might as well. I think Tudor killed it. You know, I, I think that they they really, they did so good. The chronograph, man, it is so nice. And I was just watching our, our buddy, Bark and Jack, Adrian, I was watching his video and um, was really falling in love with the, the opaline white dials. <laughs> I'm like, I... Uh, I can't do it. No, I, do it. I just want to watch. Do it. I can't do it. I cannot do it. Um, <laughs> but I do really, really like it. I mean, goodness, that thing, if you are a Daytona fan, that is a watch for you. It's affordable. You can get it. I mean, you're probably going to have to wait a little bit because it's going to be real hot for a bit, just like the BB58s. But you know what? It's like eight or nine months after the BB58 Blue came out. And now you can pretty easily get one if you want one. Yeah. So with Tudor, you know, the wait is not usually that long. But what did, what did you think about Tudor's releases? I strongly disagree. <laughs> you didn't like them? No, I really didn't. I um, let's see. All right, so the Tudor chronographs, I've never been a big fan of. Like, I I love the all black just because I think the all black is just sexy, right? Like, I'm mm-hmm. kind of obsessed with this idea of an all black out watch. Um, but Tudor chronographs, the Blafay fifty eight or the Blafay chronographs, I've never been the biggest. I Sorry, I don't know why I'm like blonde right now. Um, so I've never been the biggest fan of them. First of all, I hate screw down pushers. You will mm-hmm. never sell me on a screw down pusher. You yeah. mentioned Adrian's video. So just like what he says in the video, if you actually need to quickly operate your pusher, you can't. You have to like mess around and unscrew the pusher. I've just, you, I'll never have a watch with a screw down pusher. I say that I'll probably buy one in like three weeks. Um <laughs> But then to like, I don't know, there's just something maybe, maybe the issue is Tudor does it so well as far as vintage inspired, like, you know, the, the Black Bay 58 was a phenomenal vintage inspired watch. These new chronographs are, are amazingly vintage inspired, but I, maybe it's just that I'm not a fan of vintage chronographs. Um, yeah. To me, like the chronographs, like the, the sub dials are very small. They're spaced too far apart. Like for me, it's a symmetry thing and it's just like the, the visual representation of it. Now, I do love that they did a panda and a reverse panda. I think that was very smart on Tudor. Like, they're very much so. Obviously, this is like an entry-level Daytona. They're not hiding from that. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. a very, very, very great watch. I think the price point is phenomenal. I think they offer a lot for what they do. Like, no matter what, I do. Th- I respect the watch. I'm just not a fan of it. Um, yeah. As far as the rest of Tudor's releases, you know, I... I don't understand their new, um, the silver, like the actual um, silver Black Bay 58 with the uh, taupe. Now, I love the taupe dial. I love the taupe bezel. I would be all over that if it was in stainless steel. So I don't Mm -hmm. understand the use of sterling silver in a dive watch period, just for the fact of patina. Um, You know, I feel like it would patina probably even worse than a bronze watch would. Um, I've seen, you know, it does have an exhibition case back and, you know, I, I've asked the question and I've heard a lot of people ask this question. Why would you not finish the movement and have an exhibition case back to me? You know, if you're going to have the Sapphire case back, you had to have a movement to show off. Um, I did hear somebody make a suggestion. I was in a clubhouse chat earlier today and somebody made the suggestion that, you know, there's a possibility they did the, the exhibition case 
case back for the vets that, you know, it might help with somebody who has a, a metal allergy. Um, so mm-hmm. you have the sapphire case back that's touching the majority of the wrist. I still don't. I mean, if if you have if you're allergic to silver, you're not going to buy a silver watch. So I I mm-hmm. don't really understand um, what Tudor was doing with that. Uh, yeah, and then green, the green black by fifty eight. I'm just not a fan of. Why is green still the color? We'll get into that yeah. here in a few. But yeah, I don't understand it. But I again, I I can respect that Tudor tried. Like they're doing something different. They're working with mm-hmm. new metals that they don't traditionally work with. They don't traditionally yeah. do a lot in solid yellow gold. They don't traditionally do a lot in. I mean, I don't think they've ever done anything in sterling silver. So. I mean, yeah. I can respect it, but it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, and I think that these were watches for people that, you know, like the Black Bay 58, but want a little bit more of a dressier piece with it because plenty of people wear dive watches for the dressiness of it, not really for the sportiness of the watch. I mean, half the luxury watches we buy, like, I don't know when my sub's actually going to hit the open water, to be honest with you. But True, but it is I, a tool I, watch. So to me, mm-hmm. a tool watch should be able to perform its job. But I mean, again, I, I'm playing devil's advocate because I also do understand that bron- the, there's nothing technically wrong with having a Sterling Silver dive watch, even if you were diving in it. It still, like, has a purpose. So yeah, it's just not my Yeah, I mean, too. I don't think... It wouldn't be able to perform its job, though, just being made out of silver. It's yeah. just like a Speedmaster being made out of set in a gold or any of these other precious metals. That <laughs> I'm are wearing really it soft. to the like, mood cap. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's there. There's there's the tool watches that we like, and 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 maybe that's the thing. It's like when these brands start to kind of cross over precious metals into pieces that don't really need them. But again, it just brings something different to the table. I don't, I think it was going to be too soon for, for Tudor to come out with another version of the Black Bay 58 in a different color stainless yeah. steel. They just did it not Fair. that long ago. It would kind of be dumb. The, the hype of the blue is still there. So I think what they did instead is just a different version, something that honestly is probably not going to like completely sell out, to be honest with you. I don't think, but it's there for those people that want something a little extra, and the price points are like not that bad for them. No, I agree. Yeah, I I agree with you. Like the case back is like, uh, like I don't understand why they did that. Look, Rolex Tudor, they're great watches. They're reliable, but their movements are kind of ugly. So, the, and, and that's fine because they do like, again, they're great watches mm-hmm. and they tell time really well, but they don't focus on that and they don't need to, right? They need to focus on design more and robustness and all that other stuff. So, I thought it was weird. And I thought it was like, okay, are you just trying to be cheap? Like you're using less metal now on both of them? Yeah. So I agree. I think to me, Tudor, Rolex, I always want to see that solid case back where you can engrave it, especially on a piece like this that might be gifted to someone. Yeah. So I, I, I think they missed the mark with that. But otherwise, I thought it was cool. I mean, it's not, they're not for me. I didn't really love either color, but... I just I think they're a cool addition to what the Black Bay 58 lineup is now. Yeah, but yeah, I mean they they're not for everyone, and and <laughs> so um, you know we we are just here to, to talk about our opinions. Oh yes, we're not, please we're do not, not shitting leave on us them. one star reviews on, on <laughs> iTunes because we shit on a watch you like, guys. Like yeah, these are all just I'm not, opinions. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, it's it the Black Bay 58 is so cool. And and perhaps I might go see these in the metal and I might completely change my mind, which yeah. sometimes happens. So, um I like I said, I think they're a great addition to what the Black Bay lineup is right now. And it's cool to see Tudor play with Precious Metals and and especially Silver. It's like you don't really see that that often and they 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 say that they have some sort of secret, you know, whatever that means. Um you know, ingredient in the metal and that it won't patina as much. And, and we'll, I mean, we'll, again, you just kind of have to wait and see. And, and I know yeah. several people that have picked one up and I've seen like on the wrist shots and the taupe and it actually it's looks so really good. It's so yeah, pretty. It's really pretty. And especially on the leather strap, it's just something different. And uh, I can't, I can't hate on a brand for doing something different. So, right. um, but yeah, that's our, that's our Rolex Tudor talk. No, no, no. I got one. I what? got a hot take. Oh, we got what? What's a hot take? All right. Here is one star review worthy. It's going to happen. So, oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, the Explorer one, we're going to hop back to Rolex real quick because I oh, need yeah, to yeah, get this off my chest. I need okay. to. Um, the downsizing to 36 millimeters is a mm-hmm. is absolutely ridiculous. I'm just throwing it out there. And this is an opinion that you guys can take it to heart all you want. <laughs> Come at me. Um, you know, so I. I see so many people. I do see a lot of like the watch guys who are loving the fact that it's gone down back down to 36 millimeters. I realize Mm -hmm. I'm being a hypocrite because I just talked about iconic things. We don't change them. And the Explorer one was originally 36 millimeters. And I'm going to be hypocritical and say that was a mistake to go back down to 36. So what's going to happen is, yeah, you're going to get like the watch guys, like the series watch guys who, you know, are so in love with this idea of smaller watches for whatever reason, who go and and stock up on them for a while but i will i would almost i'd put money on the fact that in a year you're going to see 36 millimeter explorers sitting around in showcases because your average watch buyer like who's not into the hobby who's not super big on you know like they're not the guys who are on instagram and everything else the average guy is not going to wear a 36 millimeter watch if anything the the explorer one is about to be a ladies watch that's my hot take. So? It's the new ladies' watch from Rolex. But is it the new ladies' watch because we because as size. a community are going to make it the new ladies' no, watch? No, I just think that when you get outside of the community, the average person, the average male does not wear a 36 millimeter watch. Like, you know, outside of like watch enthusiasts who love the idea that this is a super vintage inspired watch, um, I genuinely don't think like. Nobody I know, and this is all just an opinion. This is just maybe me being irritated that watches are going down in size, Um, because thirty-six millimeter, in my opinion, is just small. It it, it's too small for my wrist. I don't wear anything that small personally. Um, But again, totally an opinion. Um, And uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I just I feel like it's going to become a ladies' watch because realistically, most men your average man won't buy a watch that small. And so, you know, but I think it's a great idea maybe to start getting women into more mechanical, more interesting timepieces because it's going to be available. And I think that it gives a sportier option for women other than like a solid gold day dress that just sits around in a Rolex showroom. Yeah, I mean, and I I, I get that. Um, I still think that it'll do well. I mean, 36 millimeter day dress have been selling out for decades. So to men and men that don't are not really in the watch hobby either. Like they just like that size. It wasn't until a few years ago they started making the bigger one. And I think that you're right in one way. I think that 
a lot of women will hopefully start to wear the the 36 millimeter Explorer. But I I personally would have liked to have seen them made both, both the 39 yeah, and the 36. Why I don't can't think you like make both. Is that too yeah. hard? <laughs> Well, I, I, I just, like, again, I would like to have seen them not discontinue one and just, just make two different sizes for those that want to have the option. And, it, you know, I, I see what you're saying, but I don't think 36 is that small, especially in the Oyster case. They really wear like a 38. You know, I know my husband has even put on my date dress a few times and has said that he likes the size of it um, because it's not a huge watch. And, and some guys are just not into that. And, you know, yeah, they're going to lose a lot of people. But at the same time, I mean, Rolex, you're it's going to come back. Like they're going to bring back the bigger size in a few years. That's just what they do. They go up and they go down and they go up and they go down and they just, just kind of make a cycle basically. Um, so I, I have no doubt that a bigger Explorer will come back around at some point in time. It may be if it's a couple years down the road. Um, this is just what they're doing right now. They brought back the smaller size. I think it's cool. I, I like the 36. If I had to pick between the 36 and 39, I'd pick the 36 personally. There's some watches I would go 39 or, you know, like, or 41 with like mm-hmm. the OP. But this, I don't know. It's just, and it's the style of the watch and it's what the watch is and and the history behind it. Yeah, I'd, I'd personally go 36. But everyone has their preference. Uh, I hope it doesn't become, you know, a ladies watch and that men don't want to wear it because of that. And, and I hope that stereotype doesn't come around because I, I do like seeing guys be confident wearing the smaller pieces. Just like if you're wearing a, you know, a larger piece and you're confident that that that's, I think that's really cool. I, I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes we could be hypocrites because we say on the show, oh, yeah. like, Oh, we want smaller watches. We want midsize options. And then I don't want to hate on a brand for bringing out a midsize option <laughs> back, but uh, <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. I, I do get where you're coming from. I will fully admit to being a hypocrite. I feel like I've said that enough times in this show. Like, guys, I know I'm a hypocrite. I know I just talked about Rolex continuing their tradition, and I'm, like, bashing them for it now. It doesn't matter because I'm not buying any of these watches anyways. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like, I'm really not planning on buying a Rolex this year. So, yeah. um, yeah, Well, and... and Speaking on the topic, I, I last week I, I sat in on a um, a Zoom with it was Mark Cho from the Armory. He was on the uh, Horological Society of New York. He was doing a talk about wrist sizes, and he he did this extensive study on and and asked a lot of questionnaires to a lot of people. Very little women were a part of this, but he was trying to understand why people think watches are too big, why people think watches are or the wrists are, are too small and, and the science behind it. And, and it was a really, really good talk. And I, I did take notes. I just don't have them around me. <laughs> we'll talk about them on another show. That's interesting, though. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, I mean, a lot of people, what I came out of it with the understanding is that a lot of people think they have really small wrists. Yeah. And, you know, at, you, you work in the industry, you work in retail, you know that the guys come in and they're like, my wrists are really small and, and they're really self-conscious about it. And, you know, it, he kind of asked questions of like, what do you think an average size wrist is? And it was really, really interesting. And they'll put it up on their page, like in a month's time. And I really recommend for people to check it out because it was really, really surprising. And it was an eye opener for what a lot of people actually think. And, you know, I th- came out of it knowing that a lot of people like the smaller watches. So, and, and he's someone that works in fashion and works around people that are not necessarily watch geeks. So I don't know, maybe Rolex knows what they're doing. They're going to, they're, 
I don't think this watch is going to sit around in cases. Out, I could be know, wrong. It's not. I nothing, could be wrong. Nothing stainless steel under, you know, $8,000 is just going to sit around by Rolex. No, it's it's such a good watch. Like, it's fantastic. And and I think it's a, it's a great size. These beefier oyster cases of, of the newer, um, the new Rolexes are, again, they kind of were like a 38 to me. So they're not that small, really. But yeah, like you, I don't really prefer that size normally with any other brand. But for some reason with the, with the oyster case, I'm cool with it. So... Uh, we'll see how they do. Never we'll know. Um, okay. Well, so aside from Rolex Tudor, like what are what are some of the trends that you really noticed this week at Watches and Wonders? Yeah, I think, you know, one that stands out is green. There's a lot of green. <laughs> Why? And, and I'm not hating it because I loved it. And there were so many different variations of it, right? Like JLC had this like deep forest hunter green in the reverso. And then Oris had this mint color green in their their um, the new uh, Diver 65 bronze and um moser did this lagoon blue you know turquoise color green and there's just so many variations of it that i don't like i don't know why you'd get tired of it but i'm someone that likes green so (laughs) um i could see for those those green haters it is strange though because like the colors of the year were supposed to be gray and yellow and we really didn't see a lot of that no um not that watch brands have to listen and here's my take on that. I think that a lot of these brands have been working on this and they just didn't put them out last year. So they're putting them out this year and they weren't caught up to true. that to that trend. They're like, well, we got to put this out now. And it's just not, it's not in line with, you know, the, what is it called? Um, the Pantone, like, what is it? The Pantoneum or? Yeah. Colors, colors of the year. Yes. Whoever decides clearly, what the color clearly. of the year is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But well, um, so then another big green watch is so obviously like the a big news of a few, what was it, a month ago, something like that was that um, Patek was discontinuing the 5711 blue. Um, mm-hmm. And now, oh, of yeah. course, there's a green Nautilus to take its yeah. place. And did you see that somebody already has one of these listed on like eBay or something like that for over $100,000? Oh, like, my Lord. People, I y'all gotta- calm down. They got one real quick <laughs> and immediately Jeez. flipped it. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's I actually do really like it. I love that olive color green personally. Um, I will say like I think I don't know if it's something that has to do with the texture of the dial um, because, you know, Omega a couple of years ago or like last year, like came out with a, like an olive green dial. But then there's something mm-hmm. in that horizontal like pattern, like that horizontal lines on on a dial that really yeah. does make it like I, I kind of like the green Nautilus. It's way yeah. out of my price point. I'll never even yeah. see one. Um, but like the green Aqua Terra is the same way. Like I actually really like that watch, and I don't. I mm-hmm. don't know if it has to do with dial pattern. Like maybe, maybe just certain patterns will help. Um, but yeah, so that was really interesting. Um, you had Panerai, the Luminor. Like there was a green yeah. Luminor that came out. IWC I didn't see yeah. the big pilot or the big Chrono. I mean. Uh, yeah. Pilots Chrono. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. There's like <laughs> All of it. the big pilots and then the pilot Chrono. <laughs> they had the green pilot Chrono, which I actually really, I really like the green version that they did too. It um, reminds me, that green reminds me of like the hanging green from Oris. Like it mm-hmm. reminds, like this just obnoxiously bright green that kind yeah. of maybe works. I don't know. I still want to hate the color green, but after handling so many green watches last year, like... I'm sort of maybe okay with it. I don't know that I, I would. I think it just has to be the right watch and it has to be something that you just aesthetically like. I mean, there could be 
a purple watch that I like. I just, and purple's not a color I normally go for. It just depends on the, on the watch and on, on the piece. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate you for it. <laughs> you can hate on green. Well, and then, so aside from green, like there were a lot of bright colors kind of in general. Like, so you mentioned the, the Oris. Oris released three of the bronze divers. I think these were one of my favorite watches this, They're this so week. Good. Um, so they call them the cotton candy. Because it's so it's three dial colors. There's the there's like the mint green color, there's a pink color, and then <laughs> then there's also blue. There's a blue dial as well. Um and they're set in bronze. Also, like you know, we talk about downsizing. So these are smaller, these are thirty-eight millimeters. Um mm-hmm. so like and and Oris is marketing them as like a unisex. Like I, I've seen the verbiage and it says, you know, unisex at thirty-eight millimeters, which I absolutely love. But these are fun. They're they're set in bronze. I'm still am so undecided about bronze, but I kind of really love the idea of this pink one. I like them a lot. I think they're the, they scream summer to me. Yeah. And you know, we talked about on the show before just the all bronze case and bracelet. I don't know if I could do it, but um, you know, these do come with a strap as well, so you don't have to have the bracelet. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they're good looking. Like I I'm really digging them. Really, really, really digging them. Yeah, same. Yeah. And then you have the Cartier played with color and the tanks. Mm-hmm. Like they announced like there's a green, a blue, and a red tank now. Mm-hmm. Um, Zenith released like this whole like, uh, so the the Defy Spectrum, which is like five of, so they've been doing these Defies anyways that have like the colorful dials. Like the, the purple one, I think we talked about a few months yeah. ago. Um, so now they have like five dials that are just, there's a purple, a green, a blue, orange, and black. Um, super colorful matching straps, but then uh, they also have gem set bezels and like diamond cases, which I don't know how I feel about the part of it, but um, <laughs> I'm excited to see so much color because I think, yeah. you know, like you said, like it's easy for brands to kind of stick with the traditional dial colors, you know, black, white, blue, whatever. A green apparently is now going to be a staple color. Um, but to see like all these really, really bright and playful colors, it, it kind of like I, I like the idea that watch brands can still be a little bit fun too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it shows a, a non-serious side when they don't just stick to blue and black. And you yeah, know, so it's it is fun to see. Um, and of course, a lot of these brands have been doing it for a long time. And then there's some that are traditionally more conservative and they are playing with color too, um, you know, like Cartier. So it is it is really cool to see them kind of step out of their comfort zone a little bit. And whether they're popular or not, we'll, we'll just have to see. And I think that's something for me that I struggle with because I like seeing the color, but also yeah. we were just talking about these classic watches that are going to look good in, in several years. And I don't know, some of them are just, they're they're hot right now, you know, they're cool right now. But are they going to be, are you going to want to wear this in 20, 30 years? And, and that's the thing for me when I'm looking at buying a watch. There's been times that I've almost wanted to pull trigger on so, so many pieces because I like the colors. I like that it stands out. But if I'm going to wear it later on down the, down the road, I just don't know. And if I do buy something like that, it's got to be something that is a really affordable, you know, under, you know, $1,500, under $1,000, yeah. because I don't want to spend that much money on a piece that I'm going to have to sell or it's just not going to be in style. So, um, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, or something that it's going to be a little bit more difficult for you to wear frequently, you know? Yeah. I think a lot yeah. of times, I, I think you and I are pretty similar that we try and match our, 
you know, our outfits, our watch, given, you know, we wear a lot of neutral colors. Um, <laughs> but still, like, I, you know, it's hard to to have a bright orange dial and then, you know, try and wear like a red T-shirt or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like it, it can be a little bit difficult for sure. Yeah. Well, let's get into a little bit of our favorite watches from the show. Do you have mm. any that, that stuck out to you? There's a watch I might actually consider buying from the show, which is the, yeah. uh, so Cartier, um, is playing around with solar power. Um, so they released a, a few a Cartier tank that's solar powered. Um, it only needs service once every 16 years, which I think is super cool. I love the price point. Like it's like under three thousand um, dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, they come on these vegan straps, which for me that's not. I know this sounds terrible, but like. Like I wear leather straps, so that's not really the selling point for me. But I like the idea of the solar powered. Um, well, and, and you could always change a strap too. Yeah. So oh that, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, and I think the thing about the Cartier tank is it's such a classic watch, but it's so versatile. Like you can, I could, you could literally put any color strap on that. Um, so I think that that might be a watch that I actually kind of consider picking up. They do it in two sizes, um, like their smaller size and a larger size. So I'm pretty excited to actually see those. Um, so I cool. think that is super cool. Um, I think the, uh, the new IWC big pilot, um, I, like this is an example of a downsize that I actually like. So um, it went from what did they used to be forty six millimeters I think to forty three millimeters. Um, supposedly, like the crown is redesigned or the case is redesigned, so like the crown won't dig into your hand and things like that. Um, I love the blue dial. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. Again, another instance where you had a watch brand that advertised the watch on both men and women, which I absolutely love, especially for a larger watch like this. I'm excited to see those. I think IWC really kind of killed it this year, along with a few brands, which, you know, we'll we'll kind of pick our favorites. But, yeah, I think those are the two that I'm most, like, obsessing over. And the the ores, the cotton candy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just need to see it. Like, I just want to yeah. see it. This could be the watch that makes me reconsider bronze, but I yeah. don't know yet. I'm still very apprehensive. <laughs> what about for you? I just I just can't get on with like the patina part of it. I know. Like it cha- if it stayed the same, like I would totally be down. But Can like, we get these the in fact- stainless steel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, favorites for you. What, what really stood out as like a, a favorite top two? Yeah. So I think for me, like, again, uh, similar to you, I'd, pieces that I probably would actually consider buying from the show would be the Moser Pioneer, the Center Seconds, oh, the yeah. Mega, Mega Cool. I just really, I've, I've really, really fallen in love with the Pioneer se- Center Seconds. This one, you know, it's not completely different than the others, although it does have the, the new Globalite on the hour and the minute hand. And the logo is also like in this transparent material. So like you can see it in some lights and then in some light it's it's not there. It's disappeared. So I think that's another really cool touch. Yeah. But other than that, it's it's a new dial color. And I just, I don't know. I just, I fell in love with it instantly. And uh, my heart's been really pulling at, at one of these watches. And, and this one officially kind of got added to my list from them. And second would be, uh, it's really, okay, this watch is entirely too big for me, but okay. I feel like in the in the flesh, I would just absolutely love it. The IWC Big Pilot, the Top Gun, like, Ooh. have you seen that one? Yes, it's like all tan ceramic. 
I love tan. Like the I desert just, version. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the tan colors and it's the perpetual calendar and it's like 46 and a half millimeters big. It's big, but I just feel like I could rock this thing. I just love the colors. I love that the perpetual calendar too. is just like so understated on the watch. Like you almost like you don't, it doesn't stand out. Just the all tan look. I'm just, I'm digging it. I'm really, really digging it. I thought yeah. it was hot. So um, yeah, those are two that, I'd love to love to have in my collection. <laughs> I, I I definitely can support both of those. Um, yeah. I do also. I want to say, like you know, a, a brand that kind of came out of nowhere this week that really caught my attention is Breitling um, mm-hmm. with their new chronographs. They so they've released three vintage inspired chronograph designs. There's a Rattrapont, which is a split second chronograph. They have like a moon phase complete calendar. And then they just have like a traditional chronograph at like 39 and 42 millimeters. They're Mm -hmm. thick. Yeah, that's, you know, basically where the comments are are standing is that they're pretty thick watches, even though they're smaller. But still, like, I I really want to give Breitling kudos because they're a brand that like, you know, they they have they've had a new CEO for a few years. And I think that they're doing so great at changing the reputation of Breitling. When I used to think of Breitling, yeah. I used to think of over the top, gaudy, stupid big watches for absolutely yeah. no reason, not a lot of innovation and in design. And in the last few years, they've really, really, really done a lot to to change that opinion. Yeah, I think them reaching into more of the sports crowd has definitely helped too. Yeah. And making pieces that are relative to younger people that actually want to wear watches and yeah they've they've been on the right track I think you know the those came out like beginning of the week last week and I think they just kind of got overshadowed really quickly yeah but again they did some really cool colors kind of a mint green cashew color and yeah I think they're they're great looking watches and and if you haven't seen them yet do check them out because they they came out I think either the day before or like the day that watches and wonder started so yeah I think um, they came out Monday or Tuesday like okay. the day before Rolex launch, which is smart to like release before <laughs> Rolex because once Rolex says, like, that's it. You, the whole week is just Rolex chat, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> man, bless their hearts. Well, I think that about wraps us up. Um, any other closing thoughts before we, we end the show? Yeah. I mean, do we really need digital watches and wonders? Like, I don't know. I We've talked about this before. Like the mm-hmm. in-person event, I can understand more because you have buyers who are coming to look at all the watches all at one time. But in all honesty... When you have all the media there at yeah. the same time too. Yeah. But like when you have these digital events, like you're, unless you're Rolex, unless you're Patek, unless you're Tudor nobody really pays that much attention. And I don't say this to like be mean or anything like that because so many brands deserved so much more attention this week and didn't get it versus Mm -hmm. you don't have media there. You don't have buyers there. Why wouldn't you just launch your watches, you know, in two weeks or, you know, a month later? I just, I still don't understand the purpose of having, you know, these digital events when you don't have to compete with Rolex. Why would you want to, you know? Yeah. I, I will agree with you there. I, I think that I, I much prefer for these shows to to do their own thing throughout the year and on their own time. Yeah. And, and, you know, like we saw last year with the the Black Bay Blue 58, you know, that watch took the headline for like a solid week because it was like the only watch that came out, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now they've got two more Black Bay. You know, I, I have no doubt if these would have come out at another time of year, they would have been all the rage, all the talk. And uh, same with the other brands. They did really, really cool stuff. But again, they get overshadowed by the big guys. 
And it's not really fair, but just that's just the way it is. And that's going to happen at any show. Yeah. And like you said, the smaller, not even smaller brands, brands like JLC and Cartier and, yeah. and you know, Longa, they did some amazing things. And, and it's like no one talks about them because everyone's just going to talk about Rolex because that's what the masses buy. And yeah, if, if, if I were a brand owner, I'd just say, screw it. I don't want to be a part of that. Let's release on our own time. And they could put these releases out throughout the year too and kind of spread them out. But, you know, what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone just, will just continue to talk about Rolex for the next three weeks. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now Rolex, this, who who barely did anything and had made you know very small changes, but it's a, it's fine. It's fine. It's it's, it's fine. That's, that's why not, we're here because we're, we're going to talk, talk about, about the cool reversa stuff. that has eleven <laughs> complications in it. It's still be fine. Yeah. Like, and guys, we know there's been so much that's come out this week. You know, it was yeah. not our intention. We did not want to just sit here and read specs on like, you know, 200 watches no. today. So we just thought we'd have a general discussion on what we've seen that like, you know, on, on some of the bigger topics at hand, like the Rolex chat um, and, and like some of our favorite things and, and trends that we see. So, um, yeah, yeah there, there's definitely way too much to, to cover. <laughs> if you guys want a comprehensive list of all the watches that have come out, Dinky, Watchinista, like those are your places to go. Like I, I live for the section on Hodinky's website. The smartest thing Hodinky ever did was put a section on their website that says new releases 2020, you know, watches and wonders 2021. And you can just click that and see everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, everything all on one page yes, and kind of go from it's there. So easy. It's but. hard. It's hard to keep up with, especially, you know, when you're on Instagram and stuff oh, and you're gosh. just seeing stuff coming from left and right. It's um, impossible. But yeah. Awesome. We let the big guys do what they do really well. <laughs> and we just sit here and, and chat. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. Oh, man. All right. Well, I guess that's going to be it for today. Um, guys, head over to the website, www.tenn. Oh, did you have any, any like final thoughts? No, I was, I was in agreement with you. Okay. I was like, I skipped cat. My bad. Um, head over to our website, www.tenn2.com. Uh, check out the show notes and and we'll link up like the Adrian video and a couple of the other things we talked about today. Um, and be sure to follow someone on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at 10 and 2 media. And if you're liking what you're listening to, be sure that you subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. And that's all. Bye everybody. Bye y'all.